What's up? Welcome to the Ask LFC Podcast. I'm Harrison, Worship Arts Director here at Lake Forest Huntersville. Mike Moses, uh, lead pastor of Lake Forest Church Huntersville. This morning we're going to follow up on our first two sermons of the new year on where do you go for the best resources on uh, the case for the veracity uh, of Jesus' claims as the Son of God and Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Fantastic. It's been awesome the last couple weeks, Mike. And uh, we just, as a, as a preface to all this, we just wanted to share with you our, our, first, our first listeners, our first uh, fans and partners here at Lake Forest that listen to this podcast. Um, Mike, what was the gist of you? We, we gather together uh, every two weeks here as a Huntersville staff team, which is always a great time of uh, about half of that each time is just spent on sharing God stories, which yeah, is awesome yeah. and everyone's favorite part. We had to uh, shut everyone up this yeah, time. Yeah, we did. We did. Um, Mike, what was the gist of, of kind of the encouragement that you shared with our staff team on Tuesday from what you're seeing that's happening around Lake Forest right now? Interesting. Um, <clears throat> uh, good question. We, we reveal, of course, a number of God stories had to do on our staff with um, both uh, the aggregate um, numbers of people here and in our family of churches on Christmas Eve and the first two Sundays of the new year. Um, the fact that uh, at our 930 service, on January 7th, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I get the dates wrong, yep. 7th, um, there were five open parking spots in the main lot at the 930 service, and then last Sunday there were three open spots, um, and we felt that in the worship center, it, it was pretty uh, pretty full, So, um, but our staff were not just telling stories about, that's pretty neat to see um, uh, that there are good we're maxing out our number of people at the moment at that service, but individual names mm-hmm. of a, a person this past Sunday, a prayer team member who prayed with a man uh, who was ready to receive Christ as his Savior and invite him into some things in his life. For example, a staff member who's uh, uh, knew of a teenager who had invited their one more person who is quickly finding life here. Those kinds of things. That was exciting to everyone, and, and uh, we're, we haven't yet um, uh, gotten everything in the mail, but our, our, our giving year-end has matched the, the same hmm. uh, people movement that we're seeing here at Lake Forest Huntersville. And the word that I used for staff <clears throat> was we're, uh, Lake Forest Church Huntersville is in a season of, of ministry momentum. Um, we've felt that building for some time. We had the, uh, the shutdown, of course, um, and we've just uh, been uh, attempting to be faithful in this season of uh, world history, church history, American history <laughs> these last few years and getting back to normal and yet also taking responsibility that there's no such thing as normal. What's the new thing God is doing? Um, and that uh, while just being faithful for these years, uh, we look up and find ourselves at a place of people momentum, mm-hmm. which the ultimate purpose of that is disciple-making. Uh, people who are already Christians, like you and I, becoming better disciples of Jesus, more on-mission disciples, and then ideally our one more persons, be, we see people coming to faith in Christ, as we have been seeing. Um, and I just talked about the fact that in, in leadership talk and, and spiritually— Momentum is not a button you push or a, a switch you flip. 
you cannot really do that in any organization and certainly not in, uh, in gospel ministry. Um, however, um, you, you just do, we ju- we're just called to do faithfully what we're called to do. We've been working our mission, vision, and values as pastors, elders, and staff um, these last few years. And interestingly, um, after several years, here at the end of last year and the beginning of this year, we find ourselves at almost the same people momentum that we were at in uh, the, uh, the winter of 2020, mm-hmm. Christmas Eve in the 2019 and winter of 2020, which is full of opportunity and full of challenges as well, um, but, but mostly great opportunities. So all I said to the staff was, um, uh, we are not in, we, we can't womp up momentum. Nobody's in charge of that. No church can say, you know what we decided our goal? in 2024 is let's just have momentum somebody yeah. go do that yeah, got you're it. not in charge of that yep. however we are responsible for stewarding it if god gives it um or in the words of rick warren a southern california pastor maybe that's why he chooses this metaphor of surfing whenever you have holy spirit ministry momentum you can lose it you can fall off the back side of a wave i know how that easy that is as a former surfer i i no longer claim to be a surfer i just paddle around while my boys actually surf now once a year (laughs) um and i mostly fall off the back of the wave harrison there's an art um to uh how you how you your own effort and momentum and placement on the wave uh and a bit of skill and precision and then but the wave does the thing the wave is not generated by you as the surfer um, you just, you, again, you enjoy it and you surf it. So, uh, I was encouraging the staff number one, and I encourage you as ministry partners, if you're listening to this podcast, you're someone who is more than likely serving, you're giving sacrificially, um, you're praying, uh, toward the end of other people. You're probably an others oriented disciple and you want to see others grow more like Jesus and some people come to know the love of Jesus. Um, and so uh, it's more fun, I said to the staff, to come to— I, I've been pastor now for 25 years. We celebrated all that back in October. And I can tell you, it's more fun to come to work if you're a staff member during seasons of momentum. It's more fun to be a ministry partner um, during seasons of momentum in your church. Uh, the Bible's full of the fact that this is not our whole story as believers. It's more fun in your own life when you have some momentum of sanctification and holiness in a new area of your life. That's sort of the spiritual part of a New Year's resolution is, is there a besetting sin that this is the year I'm going to die to self and live the resurrected life of Jesus through me in this part of my life? And you know, that's a season of momentum when you actually are collaborating with the risen life of Christ in you, and you're experiencing some newness of life, and there's a new freshness to all of life when you experience victory in one part of life. And I'm just saying that for our church. And then also, uh, keeping the end in mind, yesterday I had a, a long meeting uptown, and I had a little time in between that and my next, my elder meeting last night, and I took a walk uptown, with my pipe, uh, so I was walking around, I need a little exercise, and I started thinking this through Harrison also, and just telling the Lord, and at the same time asking the Lord to purify my desires, hmm. that 
I, I was thinking back to the end of my sermon from this week, and after talking about a lot of things like under the heading of evidence, I want my heart was to move to personal connection, hmm. and I. At gut level, I just want as many people as possible to experience the love of God through Jesus in their life, in their soul, in their everyday, and the transformation that can make every day. That's all I want. (laughs) That is all I want. And so that's my personal view of ministry momentum is that uh, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to spread frankly, the love of God poured out into more people's hearts and in existing disciples, those who've grown cold, in, in, to rewarm them. So all that to say, and then to our staff, we are the stewards of this, and, and what does this mean in each of our ministries to uh, skillfully, artfully steward ministry momentum? And, and that means things for, like, how do we—it's uh, not possible to reach one more person who can't park here. Yeah. So those are some leadership thoughts. I, I alluded to at our 25th anniversary, uh, but but we will the elders will likely push the green light to us looking uh, ahead at what's the future uh, for our campus and making room for one more person. To that point, is that the question you were uh, asking, or did I just ramble no, no, on no, for that's, a long time? That's totally the question I was asking. <laughs> and and to your point, Mike, just as this um, <clears throat> Sunday. Uh, a couple days ago, as we're sitting down to record this, the the 14th, um, we we got back here after we played our worship set, the second service. The first one was awesome, too. Um, and every Sunday we ask, as a team, we, we specifically ask and pray together with our band and our tech team, um, you know, Holy Spirit, come and be a part of this. And, <clears throat> and a- as we gather and as we worship, I believe that uh, the Holy Spirit is a part of our worship every single week, um, whether we experience yes, that or yes, not. and that's that's what's uh, what's promised in in God's word. Literally, as we gather and the Spirit is in us, the Spirit is present. But there there are there are times and moments where we like to just sit back and acknowledge that something even extra or else is happening. Mm-hmm. And man, it was so cool. We walked back into our green room together as a band. Uh, and everyone just kind of looked at each other and I named it, but we all knew, like we all looked at each other and we're like, something else was happening there. In like the second service. In the Sunday. second service. They're like, they're just as we looked out <clears throat> and as we experienced what the Holy Spirit was doing in us, mm-hmm. it was just kind of a, you know, a, a, a tangible feeling of that exact like spiritual momentum as well, where you just look out at our church, we're like, man, people are ready. They're hungry. They are, they are, uh, they're coming, uh, expectantly for God to do something. And I, I think when that is happening, even beyond all of the, the numbers of people coming, like mm-hmm. you're talking about, and, and it's great having a full building is great, but it doesn't mean anything, uh, without, <clears throat> uh, our inviting the Holy Spirit into it and, and, uh, people, just being ready for that and people uh people who are have been here forever and are are experiencing god doing something new or we're seeing a ton of people show up who we've never seen them before and they're coming saying like i don't even know what but i'm here and uh, and let's see what happens so i don't know do we just 
we experienced the the sum of all that really practically on Sunday too in a really cool way. Whenever that happens, I I just name it to our team. I'm like, well, just so you know what that was. <laughs> I think I experienced that over in my little corner that second service. Um, I I did. I, um, just to quantify all of this, our first Sunday of the new year, there were 300 more people here on our campus than the same Sunday a year before. Now that that's probably a combination both of of just serving more people and momentum as well as where getting kind of fully out of the the uh post shutdown come back mm. and, and just that's in the rearview mirror um while having more online options uh well thanks for introducing that conversation harrison um our opening uh, of the year series has so far just been about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And as people thank me for these first two Sundays in it, I, I've I've found myself jokingly saying and then realized that's not a joke. Um, what if every Sunday I just preached Jesus, Jesus, Jesus? <laughs> um, th- and maybe that's a sobering thought for someone like me to be sure that I am doing so. Um so that the gospel is held up weekly, no matter what part of Scripture we're examining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that the beauty of and where this is all matched up with our planning to what we're seeing, Mike, is that <clears throat> especially where you've been the last few weeks um, is one of the biggest uh, entry roadblocks to faith for people is the the person of Jesus we watched the little uh, video that played before your teaching on Sunday and um, pretty representative. I would feel like if you walked out and asked some people who Jesus was, who some, is Jesus? some people wow. were like, some people said, uh, I don't know. He was a guy. He lived. Or there's no way to know that. He's it's, something it's an elusive. Answer. Yeah. He's that, something that different. He's me. something different for everybody. He can mm-hmm. mean whatever you want him to mean. So mm-hmm. um, clearly like a, a, like we exist so that, <laughs> to put some content yes. into that person's lack of an answer. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I think um, it's just been right on to start the year, Mike. And I know it's something that um, as kind of a central foundation cornerstone of questions people have had over your entire time in ministry is that exact one, right? Who is Jesus? Mm-hmm. What is Jesus? What does Jesus mean? Mm-hmm. And I, <clears throat> in my conversations I have found um, people. Um, I, I found that people fall in. Uh, this is a little too simplistic, but generally speaking, over the years, in one of three categories for which question is important to them and is the capstone question on which everything else kind of falls. Like if mm-hmm. if they feel uh, not proof, but if they feel the, a word I use Sunday plausibility of one of these. Then, then the rest of their questions can kind of fall under that. And it's the veracity of the, the trustworthiness of the Bible and the manuscripts of the Bible. If they're asking it really with a scientific mind, the, the veracity or the trustworthiness of the, of the manuscripts of the Bible and the content as to what was faithfully intended by those who knew Jesus. Secondly, <clears throat> is Jesus <clears throat> really who is presented in the Gospels? That a little different than textual accuracy, but it, <clears throat> it, is that person who's presented there really 
the person, sort of the qualities, the character, some of the things, the teachings. Um, if that's really who Jesus is, wow, how beautiful. And, I, and the rest of it can kind of come mm-hmm. for me. And then um, I'm in the third category, or I was and still am, which is the uh, uh, evidence for the resurrection was, uh, it was and continues to be decisive for me mm-hmm. in, my, in the, uh, as I said, I, I won't belabor that, but when I went on my own investigation, when my faith was challenged as a young man, and I realized I was a Christian mostly only because of my family and my parents and my upbringing, Mm-hmm. I had had true experiences with God. Like I had zero, when I went on my intellectual investigation, I did entertain the question is there's a God, but out of my own experiences, my experiences of this world and earth and then frankly being a philosophy minor at a secular university <laughs> um and pretty good at math, I I for all of my all shucks about being a liberal arts guy, I did get a 5 on the AP calculus exam there you go school i'd like credit for that harrison (laughs) credit Um, awarded boom thank you um a mathematically minded person in in some ways and philosophy philosophy and mathematics by the way uh meet up when you get to the higher level of each but uh and i made it just to the tippy the very edge of of the beginning of that uh in my in my own studies um but I had, I, I, to me, it's a, it's a certainty. There's a God. There's a beginner. There's a, a in fact, um, uh, general uh, relativity physics and quantum physics has a word, and I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank for it. But it's like the, the singularity or something. Okay, where the singularity come from? As mm-hmm. though that explains. <laughs> yeah, it's really actually humorous to me. Um, so, and there's a whole book out there, by the way, by a, a current. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, a current physicist, um, about the return of the God hypothesis is the title. And he's just saying that actually modern physics demands a creator. Hmm. So I very quickly came to the intellectual, more than plausibility to me, again, me, certainty of a divinity, a God, a creator God. And then I studied di- the different the basis of different world religions and then dug into the claims of of Christianity and I came to the intellectual plausibility of the resurrection was the thing that pushed me I didn't need to quest further um, of course then I did need to say well then Lord reveal yourself to me personally and that happened and that's the Holy Spirit yep. um, which actually uh, will be a, a key component of faith that I'll mention in not this week's sermon, but next week's sermon. I think I think also it's important, and you you just touched on it a ton in what you said. <clears throat> it's important pointing out, and and maybe different from the way some people have approached faith, or maybe were raised, or whatever. Um, but uh, challenging your faith, asking questions about it, trying to trying to grow in intellectual understanding of uh who jesus was could the resurrection really be real what any question of faith that you want to dig into um there have been uh periods and and certain uh people who are wired to to be fearful and say i don't know if you want to pull on that thread because the whole sweater might unravel so we're just gonna 
no, don't even, we're not going to ask that question. Don't go there. Just if you have faith, believe it. All you need is, all you need is faith. And it's so encouraging out of the gate just to realize and to be encouraged if you fall in any of these camps that, um, if it's right, (laughs) if it's true, it doesn't matter how much you're going to pull on the thread. Um, it's not going to fall apart. It's yeah, it's beyond, it's beyond your questioning it. And, and so just to begin with all that, I I would say for me, Mike, um, a a couple of things in my own journey through all that. The first one for me as a, as a, about a 20 year old, uh, Christian had grown up in the church and my, my eyes started expanding a little bit to the world outside of just, uh, my own friends and church family from where I grew up and, and, and paying attention a little bit more as you do when you are mm-hmm. in your young twenties to what's going on around and just seeing a lot of, um, seeing a lot of things in the church and a lot of things uh, being done by people who, uh, would claim to be Christians that seemed so, uh, antithetical to what I understood faith to be that actually like, became a huge discouragement to me and built some doubt into me because I'm like, how could all these people who are, are claiming that they're trying to follow Jesus, how could they be getting this, what appeared to me to be so wrong to a point that it, it challenged my own faith of, you know, is, is Jesus really who I thought that he was? And as you mentioned, uh, in your teaching a couple of days ago, um, for me as a, as a young Christian, getting back to the words of Jesus himself, um, going through the gospels and seeing what, what Jesus himself had to say about, about who he was and about how, uh, we should live, uh, in, in this right way, um, really changed my, not only my heart, but also my mind to, to realize, um, you know, we're all, uh, broken people. Uh, Paul, Paul himself, who, who we put on a pedestal is talking about, Oh, there's this thing that I continue to struggle with and God's not taking it away mm-hmm. from like the, the, hum- <clears throat> the humanity of people and, and realizing, um, I need to listen to what Jesus had to say about himself mm-hmm. rather than, uh, you know, sometimes a little bit the game of telephone that gets played down through generations of traditions passed on or things people believe and and have uh, made the most important thing. And you look back, at, I looked back at Jesus and, and just his own words and his teachings, like, like this same story has been lived out for so many Christians over thousands of years, but the words of Jesus absolutely changed my life again when I dug into him and, and began to understand who he said he was and, and how he laid out as, as the, the right path for us to live. So that, that changed a lot of stuff for me. That's how Angie came to faith in the first place. Um, going to a Bible study as an eighth grader and someone gave her, and she said, could I take one of those? What, what book is that we're reading out of? Could I take one home? And reading Jesus own words, um, changed her life. Mm -hmm. Um, and had the internal witness of the Holy spirit to them. Uh, what you're saying exactly, Harrison, has been my number one conversation. I, I think I've mentioned here I've had some different Zooms and meetings over the last several years with young adults raised in our church among wonderful families now questioning their faith. 
uh, it's mixed in with questioning their relationship with the church because of things they see ugliness <clears throat> by Christians or ugly pictures of what Christianity is that yep. don't jive with what they had understood and and I I keep coming back over and over to what you just said. Just go back to Jesus. Well, let me finish today with um, three overall apologetics books that are my favorite ones on the on the whole question of who is Jesus and why do we believe he is the Son of God, and then seven of the best books on the uh, veracity of the resurrection. You ready? Excellent. Let's do it. Okay, my three favorite, first of all, generally on Christian apologetics, um, are Letters from a Skeptic by Gregory Boyd. It's highly readable in a topical format of letters from a pastor, philosopher, theologian, a guy who I admire, although we're in very different theological camps, to his letters back and forth with his father, who is very much a skeptic. And um, they're very readable and short, pithy on all the main questions that people have. They, they're helpful for, they were helpful for me. They'd be helpful. All of these works would be helpful for yourself. Uh, don't be afraid to look into the questions, like Harrison said, but especially to be equipped to have conversations with friends. So letters from a skeptic, Gregory Boyd. Number two, um, The Reason for God by Tim Keller. I think that's the best, uh, most recent comprehensive book for the truth of Christianity overall Mm -hmm. uh, and addressing the most modern of doubts, the modern form of them, the way people speak them today. Tim Keller wrote this in the milieu of Manhattan, New York. Um, uh, Our community group studied the book. It's, It's outstanding. Third is uh, is C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. I find, Harrison, that I recommend this book, and very few people get through it today. It The language is often anachronistic. It was written actually as uh, radio broadcasts in the early 20th century, not even mid-20th century. So it's a little dip, but for those who track with it, it changes their life. Um, so I, I still recommend it. Um, seven books on the, the, on the resurrection that I'll just mention briefly. Um, the Case for Easter by Lee Strobel. That's a subset of his book, The Case for Christ. So The Case for Christ would be my fourth recommendation for overall who is Jesus. Mm-hmm. But The Case for, the, for Easter is Lee Strobel as a journalist uh, digging in specifically to evidence for the resurrection. Um, uh, uh, he he a different version of that book is The Case for the Resurrection, and then the subtitle is A First Century Investigative Reporter Probes History's Pivotal Event. So there's two by Strobel that come at it from different angles. Um, Did the Resurrection Happen? A Conversation with Gary Habermas and Anthony Flew. Um, uh, th- these are... Um, uh, Flew was one of the most influential atheist philosophers in the 20th century, um, and uh, he actually gave up his atheism in 2004. Mm. So this is a discussion between two philosophers, uh, two Christian philosophers. Um, uh, Jesus' resurrection, fact or figment? This one is a debate between William Lane Craig, who was the preeminent Christian philosopher of our generation, I believe, and Gerd Ludemann. And uh, one of the new atheists. So if you want to see a debate between an eminent Christian theologian and philosopher and a new atheist, that book, Jesus' Resurrection, Factor Figment, the last names there, again, 
are Craig and Ludeman. Um, uh, another one is The Resurrection of Jesus, A New Historiographical Approach. If that title um, is attractive to you, then that one's for you. <laughs> yeah. The, the <laughs> last name of the author is Lacona, L-I-C-O-N-A. Um, and so that's super really interesting. And then this one is just one of my favorite books in general. But the resurrection of the Son of God by N. T. Wright. Hmm. This is a very thick book. It's a New Testament theology of resurrection, as well as the validity of Christ's resurrection. N. T. Wright does the most. Uh, uh, there was a tiny paragraph in my sermon Sunday, uh, Harrison, where I was talking about that in contemporary Judaism of Jesus, there was an expectation of general resurrection at the end of time, but not one man's resurrection. That was four sentences of a 700-page book hmm. that, for the right people, you will just love. Uh, one of our elders, Mark Tornberg, in fact, uh, when we did Bible in a Year, and then he went on to the Bible Project, and then he's really followed the thread on to the, the-, the New Testament theology of N.T. Wright, and it has he's more in love. Mark's been an elder here for 20 years. He's more in love with the Bible as God's mm. Word than ever because of the way that N.T. Wright, widely regarded as the leading New Testament scholar today, writes about um, the historiography of the New Testament of Jesus and the resurrection set in that, I'll use the word again, milieu. Milieu. That cultural and historical milieu. So, That's awesome. I'm, I'll, um, I'll include... <clears throat> Uh, write out and type this list in the description of this podcast. Thank so you. if any of those are interesting to you, then you can uh, pull them up and find them. And and one other point as we wrap up, Mike, I think I just decided something. Remind me, what is what's your uh, what's your middle initial? What's your V V V is in okay. Man. So uh, if you uh, you know put together some some uh, written something someday, I think it doesn't need to be as Mike Moses. I think it's M V Moses because C S Lewis N T Wright. Oh, you know, okay. that, that sounds like okay. sounds official. Thank you for so that tip. I'm just throwing that out there okay. for one day. MV by MV Moses. <laughs> so, uh, hey, awesome. I, uh, Harrison and I pray for you, friends, that you experience some momentum in your walk with Christ mm-hmm. as you begin this year. Momentum in leaning into the presence and the person and the power of the Holy Spirit to experience. We're daring to use that word these days. Uh, the New Testament promises us some experience of the love of God poured out into our heart by the Holy Spirit. And I pray that that is momentum for you for new vistas of holiness and faithfulness and mission of love, truth, and justice to others in the new year. Thank you for listening. 